Hey, welcome to Socialism for All. This file is being recorded for the February 2024 edition of Socialism for All, and it's an audiobook of Deception of the People by the Liberals by Lenin from 1908. If you like this video, please click like and subscribe, and consider supporting on Patreon at patreon.com slash socialismforall, or buymeacoffee.com slash socialismforall. There are links to Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee in the video description. So recently on the channel, we've been doing some catch-up readings, just kind of grab bag stuff that isn't really a mini-series. It's just stuff that was referenced in the footnotes of some things that we had read recently. Not major works, but things that I thought were worth touching on. A few live streams ago, I put a graphic on the screen showing some intended upcoming readings. Actually, we're going to do this one and one or two others, and then we're going to get into a mini-series on first-wave anti-revisionism. This focuses on authors from the USA, Canada, and Australia concerning browderism and other phenomena related to revisionism in the USA and in closely associated currents. So look for that either starting this weekend or next week, and I think from now on I'm just going to stop advertising what's coming up on the channel, because really, every time I do that, we don't end up sticking to it. We do do some good miniseries, and we get a lot of good readings in, but it's just rarely what I have advertised, so I'm just going to stop doing that from now on. You can bet that I will finish the basic Marxism-Leninism study guide materials. There's actually only a few left. Anti-During Part 2 by Engels, Capital by Marx and Imperialism, The Highest Stage of Capitalism by Lenin. After I knock out a couple more of these mini-series, and then, again, between the mini-series, there will probably always be some grab-bag or catch-up readings that were referenced in the footnotes. A lot of them are kind of minor works and articles by Lenin, which may not be major works in and of themselves, but which might be the source of a well-known quote or something like that. In any case, it's always good to review your Lenin. You can really never read too much Lenin. Alright, so anyway, prime example is this piece, so let's get into the credits. This was published in Proletary, number 25, March 12, 1908, and published here according to that text. The source is Lenin Collected Works, Progress Publishers, 1972, Moscow, Volume 13, translated by Bernard Isaacs, HTML Transcription and Markup by R. Simbala, and it's in the public domain at the Lenin Internet Archive, within the Marxists Internet Archive, Marxists.org, thanks as usual to MIA for hosting this, and thousands of other free Marxist texts in a low-data, easy-to-download format. Let's begin. At the last London Congress of the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party, the question of the attitude toward bourgeois parties was discussed, and a resolution adopted on the subject. Controversy was particularly aroused at the Congress by the passage in this resolution, which speaks of deception of the people by the liberals. The Social Democrats of the right wing of our party thought this passage to be highly incorrect. They even declared that it was not Marxist to speak in the resolution about the liberals' deception of the people, i.e., to account for certain sections of the population joining a given party, in this case the Cadet Party, the major Russian bourgeois or capitalist party, not by the class interests of these sections, but by the, quote, immoral practices of one or another group of parliamentarians, lawyers, journalists, and so on. As a matter of fact, these specious arguments, arrayed in ostensibly Marxist garb, concealed a policy of weakening the class independence of the proletariat and subordinating it, in effect, to the liberal bourgeoisie. For these gentlemen do not seriously defend the interests of the democratic petty bourgeoisie who follow the cadets, but betray them by their policy of intrigues and deals with the government, with the Octoberists, with the, quote, historic authority of the Tsarist autocracy. 
Extremely interesting material throwing new light on this question, one of the fundamental questions of social democratic, or that was what they called Marxist back then, tactics in all capitalist countries, is afforded by the present struggle for universal suffrage in the Prussian Landtag. German social democracy raised the banner of that struggle. The proletariat of Berlin, followed by all the large cities of Germany, came out into the street, organized imposing demonstrations of tens of thousands of people, and inaugurated a broad mass movement, which already, at its very outset, has led to violent acts on the part of the constitutional authorities, to the use of military force, and the beating up of the unarmed masses. Struggle grows out of struggle. The leaders of the revolutionary proletariat met these acts of violence proudly and bravely. But here, the question came up of the attitude toward the democratic and liberal bourgeoisie in the struggle for the franchise, or right to vote. The debates on this question between the German revolutionary social democrats and the opportunists, or revisionists as they are called in Germany, bear a remarkably close resemblance to our own disputes on the subject of the deception of the people by the liberals. The central organ of the German social democratic labor party, Vorwärts, published a leading article, the gist and substance of which is clearly expressed in its heading, The Struggle for the Franchise is a Class Struggle. As was to be expected, the article was received by the opportunists as a challenge, although it set forth in a positive form only established social democratic axioms. The gauntlet was taken up. Comrade Sudikum, a well-known worker in the field of municipal socialism, launched an aggressive campaign against this, quote, sectarian's tactic against the, quote, isolation of the proletariat, against, quote, social democratic support of the black hundreds, the Germans used the milder term, reactionaries. For, to a German opportunist, too, the introduction of the class struggle into a cause common to both the proletariat and the liberals means supporting the reactionaries. Quote, the introduction of universal suffrage in Prussia instead of the present three-class system is not the concern of any single class, wrote Zudikum. This, he said, was the affair of the, quote, urban population against the agrarians, of democracy against the bureaucracy, of the peasantry against the landlords, of Western Prussia against Eastern Prussia, unquote. That is, the industrially and capitalistically advanced part of the country against the economically backward part. Quote, what has to be done now is to unite on this point all the friends of the reform, whatever the other issues which may divide them, unquote. The reader sees that these are all very familiar arguments, that here, too, the garb is strictly and orthodoxly, quote, Marxist, inclusive of the reference to the economic position and interests of definite elements of bourgeois democracy, the, quote, urban democracy, the peasantry, etc. There is hardly any need to add that the German liberal bourgeois press has been harping systematically on this note for decades, accusing social democracy of sectarianism, of supporting the reactionaries, and of inability to isolate the reactionaries. What arguments did the German revolutionary social democrats use to refute this reasoning? We shall list their chief arguments so as to enable the reader, viewing German affairs as a bystander, without anger or bias, to judge whether the predominant part is played here by references to special conditions of place and time, or to general principles of Marxism. Yes, our free thinkers, quote, demand universal suffrage in their programs, said Forwards. Yes, they have become more than usually zealous in making grandiloquent speeches about it today. But are they fighting for reform? Do we not see, on the contrary, that the truly popular movement, the street demonstrations, the broad agitation among the masses, the unrest of the masses, evoke in them ill-concealed fear, aversion, and at best, in rare cases, indifference? We must distinguish between the programs of the bourgeois parties, 
between the banquet and parliamentary speeches of the liberal careerists and their actual participation in the real struggle of the people. Bourgeois politicians, one and all, in all parliamentary countries have always paid lip service to democracy while betraying it. Yes, quote, within the center and the party of free thinkers or the liberal party, there are undoubtedly elements who are interested in universal and equal suffrage, unquote, said Forverts. But it is not these elements that lead the bourgeois parties, not the petty artisans, not the semi-proletariat, not the semi-ruined peasants. They follow the lead of the liberal bourgeois, who try to keep them away from the struggle by making compromises with reaction behind their backs, by corrupting their class consciousness, and not really defending their interests. Comment, does that sound at all familiar? It's amazing how little changes, but then again it really isn't, because the basic class interests of capitalism haven't changed since this time. It takes a revolution to change property relations on this level and end the existence of the bourgeois class. And if you haven't had that revolution yet, which we haven't had, then on capitalism goes. Continuing, to draw these elements into the struggle for universal suffrage, it is necessary to arouse their class consciousness, to win them away from the vacillating bourgeois parties. Quote, within the liberal, free-thinking party, they, the elements interested in universal suffrage, form an impotent minority, which is forever being fed with promises and then always duped once again, and whose political energy is completely paralyzed. If, however, the free thinkers in the center are really to be forced to make concessions to democracy, owing to the threat of losing votes, then it is the class struggle which weakens the bourgeois parties that is the only means of pushing the reluctant bourgeoisie to the left, unquote. For the political facts long ago proved that reaction is less hateful to the free thinkers than social democracy, quote, We must therefore not only ruthlessly castigate the sins of all the bourgeois parties, but above all make it clear that the betrayals of the free thinkers and the center on the question of the franchise are a necessary consequence of the class character of these parties, unquote. In the immediate future, the question whether our cadets are capable of fighting for the democratic demands put forward in their program, or whether they are putting them forward merely to betray to the Octoberists, the petty bourgeois and peasants who are following the liberals' lead, will confront the Russian Social Democrats again and again, as it repeatedly did before in the course of the revolution. Therefore, some people in our party would do well to ponder these arguments of forwards. P.S. This article was sent to press before we read Wretch. Issue number 52 of March, containing an article by Mr. K.D., the Berlin correspondent of this newspaper, entitled The Crisis of German Liberalism. The writer handles the controversy of forwards with Zutikum in the customary tone and with the customary methods used by our liberal falsifiers. He makes no attempt to give the line of reasoning of the parties concerned or exact quotations. He simply declares, quote, the official forwards promptly throws mud at the heretic, and in a leading article, extremely unappetizing on account of its offensive and blustering tone, accuses him of ignorance and unpardonable forgetfulness of party tenets, unquote. We leave it to the reader to judge whether Zutikum himself will find such a defense of him by the cadets, quote, appetizing or not. But such is the fate of the revisionists in any country. They are given generous support and heartfelt recognition of their efforts by the bourgeoisie. An alliance between the Zutikum and the Struve gentry. Could anything more appetizing be thought of to confirm the correctness of our position? All right, that's the end of the audiobook. So just to review a few concepts in here. First, Lenin mentioned the class independence of the proletariat. So the quote is, as a matter of fact, 
these specious arguments, arrayed in ostensibly Marxist garb, concealed a policy of weakening the class independence of the proletariat and subordinating it, in effect, to the liberal bourgeoisie. I think that this is a key point to understand. So according to Marxism, the way that historical development goes and the way that the class struggle over time goes is you have feudalism, then it's overthrown by capitalism, by the rising money power, the bourgeoisie. That is the age in which we find ourselves, where capitalism is the dominant mode on the planet, and it is being challenged by a rising socialism. That is to say, the ideology of the proletariat, the working class that is created by capitalism. But going back a couple hundred years to the point where capital was overthrowing the old feudal aristocracy, they were able to do that and to reshape society in a way that would support the construction of capitalism by convincing most of the population that the time for feudalism had passed, that a new and better system could be ushered in under the bourgeoisie's leadership, and that they would be freedom fighters, basically fighting for the freedom of everyone in society. But that's not really how capitalism works. After all, capitalism is predicated on the exploitation of the mass of society by the capitalists. So they need a certain amount of freedom for their class in order to practice capitalism, and they need a certain amount of freedom even for their working class, so that the workers can freely move around and things like that, so that labor can get to where it's needed by capital and so on. In short, after the capitalist revolution, they need to engineer society in a way that will support the sustained practice of capitalism. And they get popular or mass support for this by, again, convincing everybody that they are universal freedom fighters, not just for their class, but for everybody. But this can be disproved pretty quickly in practice by articulating a proletarian viewpoint and then watching how the capitalists react to an organized proletarian movement. They'll tell you every lie in the book that capitalism is the pinnacle of human society, the end of history, that anything beyond that, like socialism, is just mob rule, the workers take over, it's just sheer anarchy, madness, or tyrannical dictatorship, whatever. But that's not really going to stop people from striving to be free of exploitation and oppression. So what do the bourgeoisie have to do? Well, one of the tactics is to take those more politically-minded proletarians and co-opt our energy and support into their capitalism-oriented political outlook. So, as Lenin says, these will be, quote, arrayed in ostensibly Marxist garb, but they actually conceal a policy of weakening the class independence of the proletariat and subordinating it, in effect, to the liberal bourgeoisie. So for my money, I would say that the squad, and in particular AOC, who's probably the most outspoken member of it, is a great example of this. We're progressives, they even learn to use some phrases like material conditions or something like that, but then they basically just have you supporting an imperialist or advanced monopoly capitalist party. And in that way, the proletariat loses its class independence because it's now entering into an imperialist party that serves the 1%. And it's going to do exploitation and war and genocides and all the other stuff that capitalism is known to do in pursuit of profit and maintaining its existence in the face of a growing proletariat that has no material interest in the continuation of private property at this point in time when the proletariat could just operate the entire economy on a not-for-profit socialist basis. So there's another quote in here. Lenin says, The debates on this question between the German revolutionary social democrats, or Marxists again, the split between what we today call social democrats, or mere reformists, and what we today call Marxists or communists, that wouldn't happen for about another decade, late 19-teens, after the collapse of the Second Socialist International, 
due to their opportunism in supporting World War I. Anyway, the debates on this question between the German Revolutionary Social Democrats and the Opportunists, or Revisionists as they're called in Germany, bear a remarkably close resemblance to our own disputes on the subject of the deception of the people by the liberals. I bring this up because there was a comment recently on an audiobook from Stalin from I think 1926 on the struggle against left and right deviations. The commenter was asking, is there anywhere that we can find more detail on specific types of left and right deviations? So the major right deviation is opportunism. In a general sense, the word opportunism means not really clinging to fixed principles, but kind of just going from opportunity to opportunity and having your principles be sort of an afterthought. In Marxism, it means something similar but is more specific. Opportunism in a Marxist sense usually refers to people who do not hold firm to a proletarian perspective, upholding proletarian interests, but instead engaging in class collaboration, particularly with the bourgeoisie. So engaging in alliances with classes with whom you do not have a fundamental interest. In fact, you have a fundamental contradiction between your interests. Usually that is opportunism. There are a few circumstances where it might, on a very limited and temporary basis, be acceptable. But in general, unless it concerns something really vital and huge, like the survival of an entire movement in very specific circumstances, then that is viewed as opportunist and is anti-Marxist. So here in this quote also, Lenin uses revisionist, the term revisionist, as a synonym for opportunist. So opportunism, again, usually concerns specifically working with the bourgeoisie, that kind of class collaboration. Revisionism as a term, what is being revised in revisionism in the Marxist sense? Well, major theses of Marx are being revised. In particular, the need for social revolution. That is one of the major targets that people hoping to revise Marxism tend to go after. Why? Because it's crucial for ending capitalism. So who would want to revise Marxism? Well, obviously the bourgeoisie, because they're trying to maintain capitalism, and they don't want any effective ideologies popping up that can challenge it. They don't want to see people organizing around that, because it could mean the end of their system. This led Lenin to also describe revisionism as the infiltration of bourgeois or capitalist ideas into the communist movement. Now that's a struggle that is going to go on, because we're in the age of capitalism right now, or more specifically, we're in the age of imperialism and proletarian revolution. That is to say, for its part, capitalism has reached its pinnacle, moribund capitalism, advanced monopoly capitalism, that can go no further. It's in its terminal stage. And proletarian revolutions have begun. We've seen some setbacks in that department over the last 40 to 50 years, but they have begun. In fact, Marxism-Leninism is described as Marxism in the age of imperialism and proletarian revolutions. The point here is that capitalism is alive and well. Even when the USSR was at its peak, capitalism was still alive and well. And one of the ways in which it fights us is ideologically. It tries to infiltrate our movement and to destroy the ideology from within, saying, wow, I have a great new addition to Marxism. Okay, let's hear it. How about we don't do revolution? No. So a great example of this is Rosa Luxemburg's Reform or Revolution, which if you haven't heard it or read it, we have it on the channel as an audiobook. Definitely check that out. So a revisionist doesn't necessarily start out proposing direct class collaboration with the bourgeoisie. They might just start revising Marxist theory in a way 
which will lead the proletariat away from class independence and into dependence on the bourgeoisie, basically mimicking bourgeois ideology under the guise of Marxism, or at least tainting Marxism with bourgeois ideas that don't belong there and that will not serve the proletariat. Opportunists, you could say, are a kind of revisionist who are proposing action that is not in line with major theses of Marxism. And one of the reasons why it's great to study the works of Lenin and early Stalin works and just generally the struggle in Russia is there was such a clear illustration of these trends within the Russian social democratic or Marxist labor party where you had the revisionist side and then the Bolshevik side. It's such a great illustration of how revisionists work in practice and how they struggle against actual Marxists. And more than that, in that case, how the Marxists can actually defeat them, at least in a pre-revolutionary context. As regards, quote, left deviations, left is usually put in quotes to mean pseudo-left because communism, Marxism, is left. But then there will be, quote, left deviations that seem to be, quote, more left than Marxism, but which actually don't lead to where the proletariat needs to go in a particular situation. For more of an exposition on this, check out Lenin's, quote, left-wing communism and infantile disorder, or some of the works about adventurism. We have adventurism and revolutionary adventurism up on the channel. Or the playlist of Marxists on anarchism, works by Marx and Engels like The Bakuninists at Work, or other works like Anarchism or Socialism. Anarchism being in opposition to Marxism because it is more of a petty bourgeois individualist ideology. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. What do you think? Have you ever had a liberal try to co-opt you and try to rally your support behind a party that doesn't actually represent your class interests? Let us know in the comments. I smile while saying this, of course, because this is one of the most common things on social media, the DNC bots and trolls, are always out in full effect trying everything they can think of to hurl abuse at people until they relent and just agree to vote blue no matter who. Well, they like rhymes. How about just say no to Genocide Joe? All right. Thanks for listening and thanks to the current patrons and Buy Me A Coffee supporters whose names are on the screen. If you'd like to get your name on the screen, head to patreon.com slash socialism for all or buymeacoffee.com slash socialism for all. You can sign up for just a few dollars a month or more, whatever you see fit. Every donation is encouraging. They are also helpful in allowing me to spend more time doing this and less time pursuing wage work, so I appreciate that greatly. There's a lot of long-term supporters. I love to see that. I love to see this community grow over time and people staying in it and continuing on this journey that I think is still in its infancy, but hopefully is going to lead us out of capitalism. It starts with people becoming interested in, hey, how have people fought capitalism before? Then we do these kinds of readings, and then you got to go out into the world connect with your local left, bring the lessons with you, network, organize, do the work, and fight to win. Thanks again, and we'll see you in the next video.